police investigate a daycare center and make a bizarre discovery. And then we travel to Brussels, where we meet a man who one day noticed an alien in his backyard. But things got really weird when the alien noticed him back. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I mentioned on the Monday episode that I'm going to start doing some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training. And it's weird. I did the one night, and I rolled around on the ground a bit and learned how to, like, fall down. And I'm learning how to get back up. And you really got to rethink the way you move. It's, it's quite odd. But anyways, I've also developed a new fangled taste... Is that even a word? I know it's a word, but I don't know if I'm using it correctly. Not the word taste. I know I'm using that correctly. A newfangled respect for new metal. Now, I've listened to a little bit of new metal in the past, and I heard that was a collective sound of every listener doing a face palm like, oh my God, not new metal, Jason, not new metal. I used to listen to it a little bit in the past, but now I'm like, I need some good, like, pump up fight music so I can get ready to throw people on the ground. So I went home and I downloaded a bunch illegally, downloaded a bunch of new metal music, and I was watching the video for... This segment is not to brag about (laughs) new metal music. This segment is this. This segment is because um, my job, this job, never stops. I'm watching music videos, watching YouTube videos and stuff like that, because I never really listened to this stuff, so I kind of got to hear it and go, oh, I like that song, and then get it. And so I was, I know this song, actually. I've already listened to the song a hundred times, but the song Rollin' by Limp Bizkit. I was like, oh, you know, I do like Limp Bizkit. I do like a little bit of the bisque, is what I always called them. Give me the bisque. And so I never called them that. <laughs> Anyways, I was watching the music video for the song Rollin'. Now, some of you guys know exactly where this is going now. Because some of you guys are huge Fred Durst fans. I put in the video, and it starts off with... Fred Durst sitting in New York City, and then, like, Ben Stiller and Steven Dorff think he's a valet. It's kind of a dumb setup. But anyway, so then he gets this Mercedes Benz, and he's like, oh, yeah, baby, you know what time it is. It's time to roll. And then they start showing shots of the World Trade Center, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I'm going to assume this video was shot before... The year 2001. Just a guess. Just a guess. And they show a shot of the Statue of Liberty. And I go... And then, like, the camera's flying towards the Statue of Liberty. And I go, oh! Are they going to be, like, CGI performing on, like, the torch of the Statue... Nope. There's no CGI at all. They're not performing on the torch of the Statue of Liberty. They are performing on the roof of the South Tower. It's kind of a fake-out. You think they're going to be on the Statue of Liberty. And then the camera pans over to the World Trade Center... And they filmed it actually on the roof of the South Tower, the song Rollin'. And it's, 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 that is still like, I know a lot of you guys are, <laughs> weren't alive when, when 9-11 happened or were so young, it didn't matter. But I still have a good size of the audience that is closer to my age that does remember that. And so just seeing the imagery, just seeing the World Trade Center is always like, hmm. That's interesting. I haven't seen that in 19 years. And, or 18 years, whatever. 
And so it, it's always odd. But then to have a band, you know, uh, destroying the mic and the turntables and all that stuff on a building that would eventually be destroyed. Not just destroyed. It wasn't an earthquake. It was a terror attack. It was an enemy attack against the United States. To see <laughs> see a band on there, breathe in to breathe out now, up now, da, 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 da. and they won the award. They won like a VMA. They won like an MTV Music Award on September sixth, two thousand one, for like best rock videos. What they won at the two thousand one. VMAs. Remember when all that stuff was cool? Remember when MTV was actually really cool? Uh, in 2000, you guys were like, no, I wasn't alive. You just said most of us weren't alive during 9-11. We don't remember when MTV was cool either. 2001 MTV Music Awards. The video where they're on the South Tower, they win. That was on September 6th. So five days before the towers come down, they, they're like, and best rock video. Woo, Limp Bizkit. Yeah, yeah, it was so awesome being up on that tower. It's American icon that will never fall. The day before, the day before the towers were destroyed, were attacked and destroyed, they actually, Limp Bizkit, the band Limp Bizkit, received a letter from the World Trade Center. Now, the building itself didn't, dear Fred, the building didn't write it itself, but, like, the World Trade Center Commission, the people in charge of it, wrote a letter to Limp Bizkit saying, hey, thank you very much for filming your video on our tower. On September 10th, 2001, they got that letter. So, long story short, no matter what I do, whether I'm just looking up old new metal music, I am constantly reminded of conspiracy theories and plots against the United States people. Was Limp Biscuit part of the inside job while, maybe while they were playing their instruments, West Borland was hiding bombs inside the towers? We don't know. No one's ever looked into the Fred Durst connection. Did he know? Larry Silverstein? Did he get a piece of that sweet, sweet insurance money? Nobody's asked these questions before. Was there a single red hat found taunting the police, hanging off of a girder, the remains of the North Tower? We don't know, because no one's ever asked these questions before, except me, your intrepid journalist, Jason Carpenter. But I don't believe that 9-11 was an inside job, so it doesn't matter. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story, though. So we're saying goodbye to Fred Durst and company, goodbye, good sirs, keep on rolling, you know what time it is. And they're like, yes, we know what time it is. And we move on to Colorado Springs, Colorado. We borrow their car, though. We're rolling, 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 what? Keep rolling, roll. And I play that song the whole way. And I'm wrestling you. And I'm trying out Brazilian jiu-jitsu moves. You're like, Jason, you took one class. You don't even know moves. I'm all breaking your arms. I'm like, ah. I don't even, I don't know what tapping is yet, so I'm just getting you in a hold until you pass out. You're like, Jason, I tapped you like 10 times. I'm like, yeah, that, what does that mean? Anyways, we're going to Colorado Springs, Colorado. I take your prone, unconscious body out of the car, lay you on the grass, and then I just continue on with my story. You will wake up at some point from the chokehold you were in, I hope. Colorado Springs, Colorado. This just happened. November 13th, 2019. These police get a call. People are in the neighborhood are complaining. There's a lot of children at this home. That it's a daycare. There's an awful lot of kids here. So the cops go. That's kind of an odd complaint. A lot of kids at a daycare. When next you're gonna let us know that the elementary school has a ton of dudes running around 
and three times a day they all run outside and make a ton of noise and then go back and like okay but anyways the cops are like okay let's go see what's going on here so they show up at play mountain place play mountain place it's a daycare in colorado springs this is all alleged by the way cops show up knock 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 and then the other cop goes you can't just say that you actually have to knock on the door the cop's like oh yeah i do Someone comes to the door, opens it up, a bunch of bats fly out, spider webs everywhere. Spooky, spooky house. They go, cops go, hey, so we got a report. There's a bunch of kids here, a little, probably more kids than should be at a residential daycare. We're going to come in and take a look around. And then the worker goes, yes, master, come in. Come in. We are glad to have you. Would you like some bubbling lemonade? It's all steam. It's Igor working there. Police are like, no, 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 no bubbling lemonade. So they walk in. Now, it's a normal house. It's not a spooky, spooky mansion. There's not Igor there. But the cops realize there's something really weird about this daycare center. It's the middle of the day, and there's no kids. I'm like, what? So they're kind of looking around, looking around the living room, looking in the bedroom, stuff like that. No kids. Nowhere. They're like, isn't this a daycare center? This is the right place, right? And the, the worker's like, yes, yes, it is the right place. Where are all the kids? And the worker's like, I don't don't know. I don't know. What do you think I do, work here? They're like, yes. He's like, I don't know. I don't know where the kids are. And so the cops are kind of scratching their head because they got a report that there's a lot of kids here, but they can't find a single kid. But to make things even more bizarre, this whole story is weird. The cops are sitting in this house, middle of the day. They got a report there's a bunch of kids at a daycare. They show up. There's no kids here. But they can hear kids. They hear kids in the house. They hear a lot of kids. So at this point, the cops are really suspicious. They end up tracing the sound of the children to behind a wall. So the cops look at each other and they're like, this wall's coming down. Like, there's something really bizarre. So they smash the wall. And it was a false wall. And on the other side of the wall was a door. Now, again, November 13th, 2019. This is not some crazy conspiracy theory on Reddit or something like that. This happened. This is a true story. The cops open the basement door. And there's a bunch of kids in the basement. So the owner of the place gets arrested. Her name was Carla Faith. Because she wouldn't even cooperate. She, they call her up before they even find the false wall. They say, we want to talk to the owner. What's going on? And the owner's like, I don't know. What do you think I do? Own this place? And they're like, yes, you're the owner. So they eventually have to get the kids out. They call the parents up and say, hey, come pick your kid up. <laughs> There's something weird going on at this daycare. And one of the parents gives us a idea of what the place is like. She says that the staircase leading down to the basement was very narrow. And you could. Sm- she said it smelled like stale smoke. And she said when we went down there... I love this description. She says they went into a room, quote, that had probably 10 to 15 metal cribs lined almost like you'd see in movies. An orphanage. An orphanage not in the United States with trash everywhere. So not just an orphanage, not just an orphanage, a third world orphanage in a movie about how bad orphanages can be with these metal cribs and garbage everywhere. So 
every nobody's really talking. The adult workers and the owner apparently haven't really said anything, but they are all under arrest for doing this. Just such a bizarre story. I'm trying to think like the only there's obviously a logical reason behind this. So this is an interesting story because one, there you can go the ridiculous route and and put this as part of Pizzagate, like, oh, they had this false wall, so that way when the Democrats came over to eat a baby that they could do it in the privacy of the of the basement, and that's where they kept all the kids, so when Hillary Clinton showed up, she could uh, eat their brains and whatever. What's most likely happened is that she did have a ton of kids there, more kids than she could fit into her living room, so she threw them all into the basement, like a witch, like a fairy tale witch, and then built a fake wall over it, to prevent what, basically, the plan was the cops had come over, there'd be no kids there, the cops would leave. But instead, the cops could hear, there was 28 kids down there. 28 kids down there. They would hear all the kids running around, hitting the metal cribs, falling in garbage. But I, even that seems illogical, because what happens when a parent shows up to pick their kids up? Are you going to be like, oh, here, I'll be right back. And then you disappear as well. You're war- you, like, walk through a holographic wall. And the parents sit in their living room, and they just hear a ton of kids having fun underneath their feet. And they're like, well, that's weird. And then their kid magically reappears from the wall. Like, and none of it makes sense. But everyone got arrested. And I predict, I predict, and not only do I think this is a funny story, that's why I covered it. I predict that this will be used as Pizzagate proof pretty soon. As the story story. Oh, look at, there was that one daycare in Colorado. What you'll hear is there was a daycare in Colorado just this year that was found with a fake wall and they're hiding kids behind it. That's all you'll hear about it. And then as you're reading a bunch of stuff about Pizzagate, you'll be like, what? That's weird. And then you keep reading instead of actually looking in the details and using your mind to figure out why someone would do this. But anyways, let's go. I did think it was a pretty funny story. Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here. And so let's go ahead though and say goodbye to Colorado. A bunch of kids are waving at us as we're driving away. And you're like, Jason, Jason, look at, look at, look at that. And I'm like, I know, isn't that cute? They're like waving at us. They're waving goodbye. They're thanking us for telling such a good story. And you're like, no, 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 dude. They're still trapped. They're waving from the basement windows for us to help them. I'm all, keep rolling, 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 rolling. What? Keep. You're like, no, dude, turn around. We drive over the hill. So we are now driving all the way in Fred Durst's stolen car to Brussels, Brussels, Belgium. We're specifically going to a little town, or whatever you want to call it, province, Vilvor, Vilverud, Vilverdi, 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 is what we're going to call it. The year is 1973, it's December 19th, 2 in the morning. There's this unnamed dude, so let's call him Mr. Let's call him Mr. Bobby. Let's call him Bobby. I don't know why I said Mr. There's this guy named Bobby living in Belgium. Okay, this dude's name is Bobby. It's the year 1973, December 19th. This guy's waiting for Santa Claus, but he's a little early. It's 2 a.m. Not that Santa Claus comes like later in the evening. It's December 19th. Santa Claus is coming on December 25th. Now, little known to Bobby, there have been multiple UFO reports in the area. For the weeks preceding this event, people had seen a particularly strange UFO. And I say that because it was kind of like a... It was basically like a flying dome. Like it had a dome on the top, a dome on the bottom. 
And the dome on the top was generally described as being orange, and the dome on the bottom was generally described as being black. And people had seen this all over Belgium starting from December 3rd. People have been seeing this crap. But now it's December 19th, it's 2 a.m. And Bobby wakes up in the middle of the night and is like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Now, I guess I should back up here and tell you that this is in in a rural area, farm area. So it's not like you and me, where we get up and we walk five feet and go to the bathroom. He has to go to an outhouse which is gross. Those things are filled with spiders and sometimes perverts crawl into the toilets. Dude, you know how many stories I found about like people hiding in porta potties? Okay, I found two. But but that's still two more than should ever exist on the planet. Now to be fair, no, there's nothing to be fair. Like you crawl into a porta potty, like you know what you're getting into. That's a weird fetish. I don't think people do it at 2 a.m. But still, I, the idea of using an outhouse is gross. Also, there's a bunch of spiders underneath the toilet seat. Normally, you have to like bang the toilet seat. My question is, are do spiders eat poop? Like, why are spiders attracted to toilet seats? And if you think I'm making that up, just Google spiders in outhouses, and you'll see all sorts of horrific videos. Makes you not even want to use a real toilet. But anyways. But of course you have to. I'm not pooping in the shower. What did I see something the other day about this guy who was so overweight he he would break his toilet? Toilets are kind of fragile. I mean, they're made of porcelain and all that stuff. <laughs> but the heavier you get, the you know, it doesn't have a lot of give. And so this guy was afraid he was gonna break his toilet, so he had a beanbag chair he was pooping in. Because he was like six hundred pounds, so when he sat down it created this weird vacuum seal. He would just poop into the beanbag chair and then wash it off. And the problem was is that he also used that beanbag chair to sit in and watch television and stuff like that. And he also said that he tried pooping in a... (laughs) I don't know what any of this has to do with the story, but he tried pooping in a mini-fridge. He would plug in a mini-fridge and turn it sideways and poop in it, hoping that the cold of the fridge would make it easier to clean the poop up, but it didn't. None of that has anything to do with aliens. just has to do with the idea of pooping, outhouses, all that stuff. So weird to me. The dude walks out. Bobby walks out to go to the outhouse. He doesn't want to wake his wife up, so he doesn't like turn all the lights on in the house. But he does grab a flashlight, or as they call it in Europe, a torch. And as he gets into the kitchen, he sees a weird glow coming from outside. He's like, what is that? And he hears a kerchunk. Kerchunk, kerchunk, and it sounds like metal hitting stone. Now, outside his house, he has like a 10-foot wall surrounding his property. And he's thinking, is someone banging on my banging on my wall? He can't figure it out. And that's actually the least of his worries, because there's that weird green glow coming from outside. So he kind of like sneaks up to the kitchen window that looks outside. And what he sees is a three-foot-tall man. So right off the bat, you're like, okay, this dude's an alien. Like, it would... Yes, three-feet-tall humans exist, but they're so rare that when you see... Okay, (laughs) I'm not saying that when you see a three-foot-tall person, you should assume they're an alien. But, to be fair, if he's also glowing green or he's in your yard at two in the morning... It's a pretty good guess that this guy is not from this planet. He sees a three-foot-tall figure at this point. He's wearing a green, from like neck, covers his entire body, green jumpsuit. And it's glowing. It's so green, it's putting off its own light. 
Now, apparently, like, the pants were, like, treated, like, it was a jumpsuit, and he said you could actually see the boots, and the pants kind of tucked into the boots, but there was no seams anywhere. Like, you could see how the pants bunched up by the boot, but you couldn't tell where the boot was separate from the pants. You couldn't tell where the gloves were separate from the hand, but again, like, if you tucked your shirt sleeve into your gloves, they kind of puff up. The sleeve kind of puffs up. It was that, but there was no seam separating the shirt from the glove. The creature had on a clear domed helmet, like wearing a fishbowl on its head. And from behind, it looked like it had long black hair. This creature was also wearing a big glowing green backpack. And it's holding this, what was described, that looked like a vacuum cleaner, but he was using it like a minesweeper or a metal detector. So he has this long rod, and it has a flat base, and he's just kind of waving it over this pile of broken bricks by the guy's wall. And Bobby's looking at it through the window, and he's like, what in the world is going on? Now, at this point, you have a couple different options. You can go outside and talk to it. You can uh, throw water in your face to make sure you're not dreaming. Pinch yourself. I think it's interesting because I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what I would do in that situation. If I looked out the window and I saw what was an alien outside my window that has not noticed me yet. Bobby has a novel idea. He has a flashlight in his hand. Now, the kitchen he's in is pitch black because he hasn't turned on any of the lights. He just has on his flashlight. But he's looking through the window, and he goes, hmm, I wonder if I can get its attention. Now, again, that seems very, very dicey. He holds the flashlight up to the window and begins flicking it on and off. And it does get the alien's attention. It immediately turns and looks at him. And this is where we see what the front of the alien looks like. On its waist, like on its stomach waist, it had a belt. And had a red box, a glowing red box on its belt. And its face, it didn't have long black hair. Its entire head was pitch black. We can assume that the creature itself was also probably all pitch black. And it turns and it has no nose. It has no nose, no mouth. It's just a pitch black head with long pointy ears. And two giant yellow eyeballs. That have like a green rim around them. Surrounded by black. And the alien turns and looks at Bobby. And it blinks every once in a while. And Bobby says when it blinked. It's face went completely black. Because the eyelids were pitch black as well. And so he's looking at this alien. This alien's looking at him. Alien has now stopped searching for whatever it's looking for. And then the weird stuff. The really weird stuff happens at this point. First off, the alien looks at Bobby, and then he throws up the peace sign. Throws up two fingers, the V salute. Now, that is weird in and of itself. That kind of makes me think, not that it's fake, because the story could obviously totally be made up. But if it is true, it's weird. It makes me think that this could either be a human pretending to be an alien, or an alien who's well-versed in human culture. Because that, again, like, I, it, that is a universal sign for peace. I know other countries consider it, like, the middle finger and stuff like that, but whatever. For the most part, if you see someone and they throw up the peace sign, it's like, hey, buddy, like, everything's cool here. 
it's weird to think that an alien would see someone and to go, oh, dude, don't worry about me and throw up the peace sign. Like, I've actually done that in situations, too, where I'm like, no, throw up the peace sign. Like, I'm cool. Like, whatever's going down here and, and other... it's it, I've used that in situations that were escalating out of control. Being like, hey, man, and then you're kind of allowed out of the area. I'm not part of this situation. So it does work. And I found that very odd. As far as that alien knows, that guy could be flashed in the light, and then get scared and have some sort of firearm and open fire. The alien wanted him to know that I come in peace. Which, again, is a very common thing, a stereotypical thing that aliens say. They don't really say that, but, you know, in sci-fi, you have an alien actually throwing up the human sign for peace. So I thought just from a anthropological view of things, that was bizarre. Then, if you were like, hey, that's kind of overreading it, Then the alien turns and steps on the wall and then walks up it like he's walking along the ground. So it's a 10 foot wall and it's the equivalent of a fat boy slim video. Was that guy's a fat boy slim? Yeah, yeah. Where Christopher Walken was dancing around. Now, I'm sure I could have given 100 different visuals for that, but. It would be, or like, I don't know, something else. Something that's more age-appropriate where somebody's walking up the wall. The point is, is that he defied gravity and all-known logic as far as the way matter works on this planet or this plane of existence and is able to turn and walk up a wall with no problem. Now, when he walked before, when Bobby was watching this whole thing, he said the alien kind of walked like a wobble. Which we've heard that before with other alien stories we've covered. And the question is, is it because of some sort of gravity thing? Is it because of their suits are bulky and that's the only way they can move around? But as the alien turns and starts walking up the wall, he's still walking wobbly. He's still kind of wobbling back and forth. But he walks up to the top of the wall. He walks onto the top of the wall. And then Bobby's watching him. He doesn't jump down. He actually turns and begins walking down the other side of the wall out of view. And as Bobby's watching this, so right there, again, that's absolutely fascinating as well. We've seen aliens outrun people and blink into a, in and out of existence and stuff like that. But here we have one actively defying what we know as gravity, able to walk up a wall. Bobby's sitting there, he has no idea what he just saw, and then he hears a and on the other side of a wall, I think it was like 20 feet away, he starts to see a UFO ascend into the sky, and it kind of goes up a bit and pauses, and he describes it as an orange dome on top, a dark dome on the bottom, and in between was a translucent area. And he's looking in there, and he could see the creature, the alien, sitting in there, and everything's kind of has a green glow still, because he's in there now. He kind of can look into the control room, and just is a control room. He doesn't go into details. It's not like there was eight buttons on one side. It just looked like something that would control a UFO. As the UFO starts to take off, he notices an emblem on the bottom. It's a black circle with a yellow lightning bolt through. Kind of cliche, kind of cheesy. And then the UFO speeds off into the night sky. Bobby then, this is where I get suspicious about this story. Okay, But again, I don't know what I would do in this situation. Bobby then makes a snack and sits down in the kitchen and eats his dinner. Or eats his little late night, two in the morning snack. And then goes to bed. Now, I, I when I read that, I was like, Ugh. 
that's a little, I think I probably would have woken up my wife, been like, Britney, Britney Spears, wake up. And she's like, what? Jason, I love you. And I was like, I know, I know you do. But I just saw an alien. You got to come out here and maybe we can go find some like alien artifacts. She's like, okay, I love you so much. I'll do whatever you say. That's what I would do in my world. But I could also, I guess I've had experiences with ghosts and then I went out and ate a pizza. Like, I guess it's not that, I guess because I've never seen an alien, I figured I'd get more excited about it. But anyway, so Bobby sits down and he just eats a snack and he thinks about what he just saw and then he goes and goes to bed. The next morning, he tells his wife. Now, this story is a little suspicious, again, because we don't have any real evidence. It's one person saying the story. He doesn't use his real name. The story took place a long time ago. It's hard to verify any of these facts. But it's it's interesting, nonetheless. If we assume it's true, the idea that an alien would know our symbol for peace, which would be a very valuable symbol to know like if you're going to another country probably the first words you should learn in their language is please don't or no stop or something like that or please just in case just in case so you know you would want to know that if you're going to a planet where you know it's most likely the population is hostile towards you 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 heard about your buddies getting shot down in roswell and you know they love to make movies about your people being <laughs> obliterated by Will Smith. You may want to learn certain skills and techniques to not get you know blown away with a sawed-off shotgun. I personally think the alien throwing up the peace sign is more bizarre than it walking up the wall. Because aliens do alien things. I'm used to that at this point. Like I said, like magically appearing out of nowhere, freezing people in place... Blowing up planes. Those are things that aliens do. But when aliens exhibit human-like behavior, that, to me, is more interesting. Because it means that not only are they watching, not only are they visiting us, that they're learning from us. They're learning techniques and skills to avoid bad endings. Sometimes people have encounters with aliens that terrifies them for the rest of their life. Sometimes people have encounters with aliens and they wish more than anything they could meet those aliens again. And sometimes people have encounters with aliens and after it's over they prepare a light snack and go back to bed. And I think the difference between those types of encounters is how the aliens interact with the humans. And when you meet an alien who just happens to be bumbling about your backyard, notices you're watching him and throws you up a little peace symbol, and kicks bricks out of there. That's a good alien. That's an alien you would want to meet again. That's an alien that you could even call a friend. And maybe borrow his UFO someday and go rolling, rolling, rolling through the galaxy. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Hey.